This is the Shoot Once Podcast, a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the NHL, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Podcast, you're not missing out on on the show. The show's still going to be the same for you that it always was. It's just now we're doing something a little different. Um, we're going to start experimenting with maybe some live streaming of the show, doing more of a video portion of it. Uh, just a little different. Um, hopefully this is something where people can interact with the show more, where they can be more a part of it. Um, and you'll be seeing more changes coming to the show over time. Again, if you're subscribed to the, the podcast, if you're thinking, you know what, I like what I'm getting, nothing's going to materially change for what you're getting on the show. We're still going to be talking the Blue Jackets. We're still going to be breaking down the roster and talking about the, the team from a big picture perspective. But it's not, it, it, we're just making some changes to make maybe the show a little more interactive for people and, and a little different, something you can watch, something you can put on, you know, other things at, at some point in the future here. So we do appreciate you for, uh, for listening to the show here. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it for, for this week. Um, it's been a, an interesting, I mean, first of all, obviously it's been a fun week as far as watching the playoffs. I mean, we had three series go to game sevens. Friday and Saturday was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching those games. Um, the the Dallas-Colorado game was uniquely entertaining. I mean, the goals in the last couple minutes there to send it to overtime. It was awesome. It was really exciting. And what I think is happening that's kind of an interesting change um, as far as how teams are looking about how teams are looking at this about how we're looking at, at teams at this point. We're now entering into a second straight season uh, with the Cup, and I'm sure there's more seasons before that, but where the view on how we view our, our uh, how we view how you build a team is kind of changing. And, and for some teams, it's never changed. I, honestly, for the Blue Jackets, I think they've had the same view for a long time now. But I think there was this perception right after the Penguins won two in a row and seemed to do it with just the superstars that that's how you build a team. You get a couple superstars, you throw in who you can, and and you, you just make it work. And I think that perception's really changing at this point because looking at the teams that are in the in the final here, And, and this is this is something a little better for the folks who are on our uh, who are who are doing the video who are watching the video version of the show. There, um, we have got you know if you look at things like like the Dallas Stars and their 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 roster, you've got the big superstars. You've got Tyler Sagan um, as far as their big price guy. You've got Jamie Ben, who's a player who's a big name, maybe not producing as much as he used to. Um, but looking at the other teams in the final, uh, we've got Vegas. We'll load that up here. Um, but you got Vegas, who their real big stars, Mark Stone. Uh, they do have Max Pacioretty. They got Paul Stasny. So they've got some big names. Um, they Shea Theodore is probably their best their best defenseman, and then some good goalies. But something you'll notice, they're they're multiple lines deep at this point. They are. A, a team that shows a uh, an ability. They're teams that show the ability to roll those four lines. The superstars can come out and beat you if they need to, but it seems to be it's more about depth. And that's a little more what we're going to be kind of getting into 
on this week's show as we're doing more things, how the Blue Jackets are building. What are they doing? What are the plans going into the offseason? Obviously, we had some big news this week as far as uh, Bill Zito getting hired into the Florida organization, which is great for him. Congratulations, uh, Zito. We know you'll do a good job there. But it's it's going to be interesting to see where the Blue Jackets, you know, what the plan is here. And that's, that's kind of what we're going through here today. We're going to start by talking about the uh, – this week, the Athletic did a deal where they, they they like to do this from time to time where they'll go through and talk about uh, an organization's prospect rankings and, and kind of ranking it. And Corey Pronman's the guy who does those uh, for the Athletic. And this year, the Blue Jackets went up from last year, they were 25th to this year, they're 19th. And, and part of that is, I think he did more this year with counting the players who are uh, counting in those players who are actually playing at this point for the team. Uh and not just, not just the the who you have that might might be coming up in the future, that sort of thing. So that's that's where I think we're at right now with with the team. And and looking at it, I'm going to pull his article over here a little bit, but put that on the screen for the folks who are interested in that. Uh, but what we're looking at there, he's got obviously our number one player, Pierre Luc Dubois, then Kirill Merchenko. Uh, coming out of Russia, who we may not be getting for a while yet, but then Texier, Liam Foodie, uh, Emil Bemstrom, uh, Dmitry Voronkov, who's again not another one of those Russian players who isn't quite ready coming over yet. Um, Daniel Tarasov has got some other players kind of in the mix there, and and what it says about this team, this is a team that for a long time has been focused on building up through the draft, and you can see it with who those prospects are and that those are the players that are on this team now making a difference. Uh, I mean, it's funny looking through that number one player on our young players is Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's hard to argue that other than Elvis, uh, other than uh, Jonas Corposalo, uh, any other player had a bigger impact on the Blue Jacks in the playoffs than Pierre-Luc Dubois. He was essentially a point of game player this year between the play and round and the playoffs. You look at the um, Texier, Really showed his stuff. Liam Foody starting to show a lot of a lot of skill and a lot of talent. So it's a very interesting list in that the Blue Jackets are really starting to show that they are starting to take it to that next level as far as um, the youth stepping in and being what's what's on that team. And it's so it's it's a it's a good it's a good segue into this next thing. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen gave an interview on. Uh, what we call state-run media. It was one of the Blue Jackets shows, I think, Inside Edge. And he talks about a few things that really, I mean, feed into what we know about this team. Um, that, that or as far as how he likes to build a team. And the first is that when he looks at a prospect, you draft a guy, and it's nice if you can step in in year one or year two and do something, but that's not always the case. Uh, he even talked about guys being seven and eight years before they're necessarily players that are going to help you at the NHL level. And that's really kind of a, an interesting premise to go with that. It could be that long uh, that these players are, are maturing for the team and, and building up that sort of thing. So I'm, it, it's, it's good to know that he's got that long-term of view on it because I, there's a fear sometimes that you're going to see a team that's going to give away their future just to try and 
get a few wins here and there. And I know for the, saying that it's a Blue Jackets fans kind of a strange thing because last year we had the big thing where we went after Duchesne, we got to Zingle. Uh, we really tried to make a run at a at a long cap at a long one at this point. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's just being it's just being smart with where you put those draft picks, what you do with those players, uh, and and what you're doing there. Um, so he said that here. Uh, then also talked about how we need players in the in the center, how we need centers on this team, and that's obviously the, mo- the most obvious thing about this team uh, at this time that we need more help down the middle. I mean, this year, our second line center was what? Boone Jenner. And then Texier was the third, or I guess Riley Nash. And then Texier, or not Texier, uh, Wenberg was the third and then fourth at different times. And this team really needs help down the middle. Now, Kekalainen is talking about, you know, we might look at uh, Texier and Foodie as being players that can play center. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's the smart way to go with it. But I'll be interested to see. Uh, if you all remember, Pierre-Luc Dubois was kind of an interesting player in that when he first started playing, he lined up at wing. And then they'd put him at center here and there, and he kind of struggled a little bit. But what the coaching staff was noticing was when he played center, he was working harder. Uh, he was doing more to try and make things work. And that might be... Maybe that's what will work with Texier. Maybe it'll work with Foodie. I mean, those players are both already hardworking and, and really get going when they're out there. So I don't think that's necessarily something they're going to need to do. But I mean, as far as having to get them going, but I am very interested in seeing them, you know, are they going to roll those players out to the middle? Uh, give that a shot next season. It'll be interesting. Training camp's going to be a fun creature next year because if we start seeing Liam Foodie and Alexander Texier starting at, center um, in training camps and in preseason games. That'll be interesting. I would be very interested in what's, what's going on with that. Uh, The next thing being that they talked about was free agency. Really just the focus is going to be on the team, re-signing their RFAs, re-signing a Pierre-Luc Dubois, re-signing Gavrikov. uh, Cause there's just, I mean, other than Taylor Hall, there's not a ton of difference makers out there that I would be overly concerned about going out and getting. Uh, and then even with Taylor Hall, the issue you run into in free agency is you're probably going to overpay. And yes, the Blue Jags have some cap room, but they have cap room to sign the RFAs, to try and re-sign Josh Anderson if they can keep him, which would be amazing. Uh, but they've, they've got some room there to, to wiggle and to try and make things work. Uh, but I, I, I w- wouldn't expect a big free agency thing. Trades, trades may be happening with this team because we've got a Josh Anderson. We've got Ryan Murray and David Savard. We've got players that I could see wanting to move um, for those for those things um, to try and get that going. So, so it'll be interesting to see what this team does, but it's good, it's good to know that that's kind of Yarmo's mindset. Yarmo, I remember just a, a year or so ago, even after all the big trades, something he said was... Uh, Something he said was that, you know, our window is is just starting to open. I remember him very specifically kind of making a little, you know, finger motion where he had the two fingers close together saying that. And it's it's the kind of thing where he's a he's a GM who's always going to be looking for the next uh, piece. 
he's always kind of constantly looking at moving forward. I, I'm not sure what it would look like if he ever tried to do a rebuild because it seems kind of antithetical for him to trade away talent. I think he's always just going to be trying to build to be better. So if you're a fan of, of the ideas of tanking or whatnot, I mean, the Blue Jacks, obviously, first of all, they're not near that because we're not in that kind of that. Even if you are pro tanking, they're not really in that part of the, the life cycle of a team right now. But don't don't expect to see it with Yarmo in place. Uh, so taking a look at uh, the next story, this was written by The Athletic. It was talking about the team in terms of trade tiers, like who's likely to go, who's on the radar, um, and who's – he put – the way Portsline did it was uh, likely on the radar, not off limits, and that was that was pretty much it. I mean, going through where I would put these teams at, I'm going to bring that on screen for you folks, so if you're watching it, you can kind of see that here with us. So looking at the Blue Jackets, in terms of their, in, in terms of who's on the, uh, in terms of who's kind of off, off limits, we'll start there. We'll start with who's. These are the players who you would have to move heaven and earth to get. You would have to be offering us like multiple firsts or superstars, or it's the kind of thing where it's the kind of trade that would shake up the whole league, or at least it would feel that way. At this point, I really think it's three players. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's Seth Jones, and it's Zach Wierenski. Those three guys, you would have to offer just a ton. And it's... It, I don't think I don't see it happening. I don't see anybody wanting to offer that amount to make those things happen. So that's that's where I stand there. That next level of, hey, you're really going to have to bend our, you know, twist our arm to get it. Um, it is some of the young guns. You got an Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, Bemstrom, Texier, Foodie. Um, I would put Gavrikov in that mix. Uh, as far as players, where it's like you're really going to have to twist our arm to get it. Um, Yes, we might be willing to deal them, but we're going to need, you know, if we're moving one of the forwards, we're probably going to need top six talent. If we're moving one of the defensemen, if we're moving Gavrikov, we probably are going to want like a top six talent back um, as far as forwards there. So that's really what these trades would be about is getting more forwards. And and who you're offering is going to depend on who the Blue Jackets think they're, you know, how they think it's going to go. The, the way I would look at it, is when you're talking about these teams, uh, when you're talking about the the Blue Jackets doing, making these moves, essentially the way I understand it with their front office, they've got a, a, a folder, they've got a file on every player in the league and every player and prospect pools all around the league. And if you're wanting somebody like an Alexander Texier, they're going to say, okay. Or if you're the saying of Vladislav Gavrikov, they're going to say, okay, well, who are you offering? And they're going to look at their research they've got on it and say, do we project that guy to be a top six forward in this league? If the answer is no, I don't see them moving those players. I just don't. Now, some people might say that's overvaluing your own talent. And it might be, but those are probably some of the most valuable trade chips you got. Next tier, tier three being a, um, it would raise my eyebrows, but you know, it, it could happen. Um, I'm going to go Cam Atkinson as one that's probably a bit off the radar a little bit. Um, maybe Boone Jenner. I, the thing is, I don't think there's going to be a big trade market for him. I don't think a lot of people are going to want him. And then David Savard and Ryan Murray, 
those are guys who are really good players who make the Blue Jackets a better team. But again, if we get top six forward talent, Cam Atkinson be kind of a strange one because he's 31. He's got some years left on his deal. Unless some team thinks he's just the guy to get him over the edge, I don't see us moving Cam Atkinson. Um, I don't see somebody coming and getting him. Ryan Murray and David Savard, those ones I think are much closer to likely to go because, I mean, they're they're, they're defensemen. Uh, Brian Murray is a good puck-moving defenseman. David Savard is more of a kind of a shutdown type defenseman. People want those types of defensemen. Um, so that's where that would go. The Josh Anderson one at this point likely just because of the contract deal. Um, if, you, if, you, if he's willing to sign a long deal, I think Columbus would rather keep him. Because we keep talking about how the team needs top six help. If they can just sign Josh Anderson long-term, that's one of your holes. So there's no reason to go out and get a guy if you've already got a guy that'll work and is willing to sign a deal. So that that's where I would be with it at this point. I would say we want you want to keep Josh Anderson if you can keep him because essentially you just didn't have him last year. So it would be like a large addition to the team if he comes back. I mean, having Josh Anderson as, on a second line centered by, I don't know, Texier or somebody, that'd be something else. That'd be, that would be a, a dangerous line. So that, that would be my intent if I were going to do it there. That's where I would want to go with it there. So that'd be my way of doing it um, and, and looking into that as far as these, these options there. Uh, so we're going to make a quick break here. Uh, I'll let you know about one of our awesome other shows here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'll be right back with you in just a moment. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Helped change him a little bit, help, how it helped him work there. Um, what I want to talk about here is how this affects the Blue Jackets office going forward. Because we've lost in the last year, we've lost John Davidson, we've lost Bill Zito. Now, the Davidson loss, as much as I hated seeing John Davidson go, I don't think John Davidson was doing that much day to day anymore for the Blue Jackets. Uh, I think most of what he did was really that transition into uh, that transition into into becoming a respectable team, um, giving Yarmo the 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 clearance with management to do what he needed to do. And I think now there's that trust between management and Yarmo where they're not needing him. They didn't really need him at this point. Uh, Bill Zito's a little different. Bill Zito did a lot of contract stuff for the Blue Jackets. I think he did start doing more and more just general management things over time. Uh, for those who aren't overly familiar, sometimes you get the idea of a general manager. It's like, oh, that's our best scout. That's the guy who does the most scouting and he wants to pick who plays and all, you know, who picked the players, all that good stuff. That's not exactly, at least to my understanding, how the Blue Jackets run it. The idea is that Yarmo is very much a kind of a jack-of-all-trades in that, yes, he does scouting. Yes, he does do contract negotiations. 
but a lot of his job is managing all the people underneath him that do more scouting and do more work on the cap and on that kind of stuff. He is there to try and make sure everything's working together and that there is a harmonious plan putting everything together. So losing Bill Zito is one thing. Now, we know that Josh Flynn is going to step in as the uh, replacement. Uh, not the replacement necessarily, because he was always an assistant general manager as well. But he's going to step in and start doing more of the contract stuff, although Yarmo will start picking up a little bit of it too. Um, and then other trades and and uh, you know other discussions there. But the thing to look out for as Blue Jackets fans is... Is this team going to – what are the hallmarks of our front office over the last couple of years? Uh, we go for big trades, which is very much the Yarmo Kekalainen thing, but we've had some contentious contract negotiations. Josh Anderson, Ryan Ryan, uh, Ryan Johansson, and Sergei Bobrovsky, all three of those were kind of contentious. Uh, they were fights. Yes, eventually they were settled, but they're still kind of – I mean, Ryan Johansson ended up getting traded. Bobrovsky's no longer here, but that wasn't because of that contract. It was because it was next one that he's no longer here. And then the Josh Anderson situation is still playing out. What I'm interested in is, are those situations going to change a little bit with a different guy in place? Now, I'm not saying Bill Zito did something wrong and Bill Zito made these situations contentious. It, it, I just wonder if a different voice will make things seem a little different in there. Also, I think some of the contentiousness probably is just the nature of how Yarmo Kekalainen tends to do contract negotiations. We've talked about this on the show before. Yarmo's talked about it before. He very much looks at things and says, this is the value. This is fair value. This is a fair deal. This is what I'm offering. And there's some wiggle room up and down, but Yarmo Kekalainen doesn't seem to be the kind of guy where it's, if you come in with a super high offer, it's not something where he's like, oh, okay, let me meet you midway. He goes, well, no, this is the offer that's fair. Well, we want more money. Okay, well, I guess we can go a little higher. But he's not coming that far off that. And I wonder if that if that's the reason that we've had contentious negotiations, that's not going to go away. But it'll be interesting to see how things play out. I mean, if all of a sudden Josh Anderson's deal, if we see, you know, if we hear, oh, well, you know, they're playing nice now. And then all of a sudden we get a five, six-year deal that everybody agrees with. You know, maybe it's just something where that change in face of, of who was doing the contract was different. And then it'll take a couple of a uh, couple more contract negotiations to know, was it Bill Zito? Was it something else? We don't know, but that's where we'd be going. So I found that, uh, uh, you know, that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Uh, the other thing this week, the Blue Jackets let go Paul McLean. Um, it's not a surprise. He was brought in to be kind of a specialist, help out with the power play. It didn't really fix it. We all know the power play has been atrocious all year. The power play has been atrocious for years. And we're still dealing with it. Um, I don't think it's an issue of... I don't even know what the problem is, honestly. It's so hard to figure it out. Is it coaches? Maybe. Is it players? Maybe. Is it a mindset? Maybe. I mean, the thing is, at this point, it's been bad for a long time. I mean, it was even bad last year when we had Artemi Panarin on it. I mean, that's something. Uh, so who knows what it is? Maybe it's just being snake bit and it'll one day just magically be fixed. I don't know. But I, Paul McClain wasn't the guy to fix it. I don't know if any coach is the guy to fix it. It's just, it's the frustrating kind of thing that happens. Um, 
that you're just not. I get why he's moved on. Good luck to him. Somebody else, other places that people have talked about, is this a sign of something the cutting back that's going to happen? It could be. Uh, it, it definitely could be. And I say that because there's an issue with... Uh, we don't know what the financial situation for the Blue Jackets ownership, John P. McConnell, looks like right now. Um, I mean, the stock market has come back, so if, if a lot of his value and riches and, and money was, was there, or as we've talked about, the majority of his fortune being in like Worthington industry stock, if that's bounced back, I, I mean, the, the money may not be a problem. Uh, but at the same time, as far as the the team goes, there might be some financial issues there. So you may not be seeing the extra coaches in the future, the bringing in an extra guy midway through the season. That being said, I mean, they re-signed Manny Legacy. So, I, I mean, there's still a commitment there to keep things going well. But but this, this could be a sign of something else. I don't know. Uh, but we just, at a minimum, we know, uh, McLean here was not a fix for the for the power play. Uh, and then we've got one more quick message before we go to our uh, our final segment here. So thank you all very much. It'll be just a moment, and we'll be right back with you here. Are you looking for a new jersey? Is there a new player you want? Do you want a Do you want an Elvis jersey? Do you do you get excited about? Are you looking forward to the draft when a uh, when the Blue Jackets make a first round pick and you can whoever it is you want to get a jersey of them right away? I don't know. Whatever you're looking for, I do know that what you want to do is you want to go to coolhockey.com/thpn when you want to get a jersey uh, and use the promo code thpn because you're going to get uh, you're going to get thirty percent off there at the website and and coolhockey.com. I know that when you're searching around for jerseys online you're wondering, am I going to get something that's worth it? Am I going to get one of these weird knockoffs where the numbers are all weird? What's going to happen? Coolhockey.com is going to have a great selection for you. They ensure that every product that leaves the doors is done to the specifications of the NHLPA. They don't outsource their jerseys for customization, so they're able to offer you all the best ones, um, great quality on it. Uh, so again, go to coolhockey.com slash THPN, so forward slash THPN, and use the promo code THPN for all your hockey jersey needs. Again, coolhockey.com slash THPN. I mean, obviously, this is of great concern to all of us at this point. Um, is the it is next season. And this was a good piece put together by, uh, by Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan of ESPN. And the big thing to remember is next season is so much a it's a mystery right now. Just nobody really knows. Anybody who says, "Oh, this is what's going to happen," they're not. They're not. They're not sure. Nobody knows. Um, everything from the NHL has been saying, "Oh, we're, we want an 82 game schedule." A lot of their sources from ESPN they're saying it's probably not going to happen. What are fans in the stands going to look like? I mean, the thing is, that's apparently the NHL is making uh, guesses. They're trying to put together projections with both no fans in the stands, um, like progressing it up from 50 to 90 percent. Uh, and then like a, a progression that would be like 50, 75, 90. Uh, this is the part that's rough because 
there's two competing things that that make me say I don't know when we're going to get Blue Jackets hockey back, and I hate it. But my brain, I just can't get around these two questions. One, financially, the NHL doesn't make sense without gate revenue. It is a league that cannot operate without that gate revenue. Now, to be honest, there aren't many that can. Uh, basketball would be tricky, although they have a great TV deal. Even baseball with their big TV deal, they, so much they make off of tickets. They've, you know, they tried to talk their players this year into taking big pay cuts. So I don't think baseball could do it more than just this one goofy season they're doing. The NFL, I think, is the one league that can get away with it. Um, they can get away without having ticket fans in the stands. They'll probably take a hit this year, and they could probably do it more than one year if they had to. The NHL can't do it. They're just, I mean, I mean, this bubble's a good thing, so it helps you finish the, the deals for the playoffs this year. But there's just not a... a a view in my mind where they could run a whole season without fans. And from what I've been seeing and reading, you're not getting fans until you get a vaccine. And right now, the ridiculous thing about how the world is, is that that's become a political question. Depending on who you listen to, there's one person particularly out there saying, oh, we're going to have one by late October, early November. Pretty much every scientist I've heard has said things like, well, maybe we'll have a workable one, the tests will be done by end of the year. At that point, you're talking about the first people that are getting it are people like doctors and nurses and uh, probably firefighters and policemen and, and, and people who you just kind of have to have out in the world. And then you start rolling it out to the general public. I mean, what I would say if it was just me talking because the thing is, at this point, I'm seeing a lot of people projecting things like you're not going to get a real vaccine out till mid-2021. But theoretically, if things move quicker and you have one where the frontline people are getting it in January, maybe the general public starts seeing it about March. You, you could see something akin to like a strike-shortened season or a lockout-shortened season starting in March. So like a 50- to 60-game season starting in March and just running the playoffs through the summer, kind of like what we've done this year and then trying to condense and do a full season the year after that. I mean, this is what we're hitting, folks. There were a lot of people that when we talked about coming back and doing a return to play with the bubbles this year, there were a lot of people saying, oh, just don't worry about this. Just start up regular next season. That was never going to happen, and that's what we're running into now. This is going to be strange. Um, I know right now the NHL is saying, oh, we're going to start back up in December. I just don't see it because – the Blue Jackets are not a team. Like the, the Browns are starting their season this week. Uh, the state of Ohio has given the Browns and Bengals clearance to have like 10% of capacity. So there's going to be like six to 7,000 people in First Energy Stadium watching the Browns. The Blue Jackets cannot make the finances work if Nationwide Arena only has 10% of the people in it. And even then, they may not get clearance for that because it's an indoor thing as opposed to outdoor. Um, all the science that we've seen so far tells us that this is something where if you're outdoors, you're less likely to spread the disease. Indoors, it gets much harder. So I just don't, I just don't see it. I, I, I'm having a hard time getting my head around anything earlier than like March for the start of next season. And that's somebody who's just trying to read stories, trying to make sense of what's going on in the world, which is really, really difficult at this point. But that's where I'm at right now. Um, 
So I know that's a downer for the show, but I mean, we're going to keep going for the show throughout this. Uh, we've got shows going all the way into the off season here. We're going to keep trying to get shows going as, as we have whatever this weird in between version of a season is. But I do want to thank you all for listening. Um, thank you very much. And, and go jackets. And, and thank you also for dealing with the issues I'm having as we're getting this going here. So, uh, do appreciate it there, and and just just a just a different format. Again, uh, at this point, this week's show was streamed live on on Twitter. Going forward, the idea will hopefully be that every show will be getting streamed live on like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at the same time. Then you'll be able to go watch them later if you want, and then on top of that, you'll have the regular audio podcast if that's what you're looking for. So again, thank you all very much for um, for listening, and and go Jackets. Please connect with the show on Twitter at Shoot Ones Pod. And thank you for listening to the Shoot Ones Podcast.